Our next guest on Beyond the Doubt is an absolute jewel of a writer that I've been privileged to work alongside for the past six months. He's been at Digital Trends for the better part of a decade, and his ability to sniff out a good story from a boring news release kicks my imposter syndrome into overdrive every single time. Andy Boxall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's good to see you, and thank you so much for having me on. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I figured I should have you on while I still have the ability to order you to come on. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, no, this is this is totally voluntary. It's it's totally cool. But uh, no, so uh, no, it, it's great to have you on. And it's 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 admittedly a little weird having you on because like this is just kind of a normal mobile meeting for us from the past six months. We have met like this, you know, a half a dozen times a week for the past six months. So it's um, it's a little weird, it but is. Uh, but yeah, it, like, like you said, as long as this doesn't turn into a mobile meeting, we'll be uh, we'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not going to so, pitch um, you this anything, week... and I don't want you to say what are you doing next week and have you got this ready. I I just don't want to hear that part. Right. Well, so this week, no, I'm just kidding. We're we're going to be <laughs> wrapping up our Google I/O cover. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, although. I mean, hey, we did do uh, we did do a pretty good job with Google I/O. We had some uh, nice features coming out of it, and I appreciate you working while you were traveling. That was fun. It was so, just um, times. Right, right. So as I was telling you um, off the air, I intentionally don't do research into these just because I want to kind of see where the conversation takes us. But I do have kind of a standard. Um, if you will, just kind of like a icebreaker, if you will. I usually uh, kind of go over the origin origin stories a little bit. You know, how did you get into tech? How did you get into dig writing? How did you get into digital trends? You know, what uh, what's the story there? What's the uh, what's your origin story there? As they would say in the comic book movies. Okay, so it's kind of long because I'm a little bit old, so it goes back long a long way. Um, we got an hour, man. Cool. So take your time. <laughs> then I'll, I'll, I'll cut the vaguely interesting bits. Um, I start. I wanted to write. I was desperate to write stuff, and I started off being a recruitment agent. So I found people jobs, and I'd help write their um, resume, and I would write stuff to send to prospective employers. But I was sick of that job and sick of sales, which is what I'd always done to that point. And I thought, I want to be a writer. I don't care what I write. I just want to write. And I got a job as a technically marketing assistant at a travel company. But I was writing okay. their magazine that they said, this is back when magazines were sent to people. And I'd write that magazine that would be sent to their customers who spent Get the time Get around, children. Kind Let me tell that. you the tale of these paper books <laughs> that people used to send in the mail. <laughs> no, hey, I remember magazines. That's totally cool. But companies doing this, they didn't do it as a newsletter, as an email. This was, we are going to create a 60-page magazine and send it every quarter to the people who spend thousands of pounds on a long-haul holiday yeah. so i did that and I, it was really cool it was a, a great opportunity and it was fun to write about travel and it was fun to actually be a writer you know technically i was a marketing person but hey i wrote stuff um, yeah we're not talking about like sky mall here are we no this was uh this okay <laughs> Not this, that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just... <laughs> no, this was the largest long-haul travel agency in the UK. And they did cool. high-end okay. 
luxury holidays to like the Caribbean and to the US and to um, long haul distance stuff. And people would, this was back nice. when people okay. would phone a call center to order a holiday. They wouldn't do it online. There wasn't an option. It was, right. I'm going to phone a call center and we're going to go through how to book a holiday. And I'm going to book it and spend £2,000 doing it when I speak to this person. So it was a, Sounds terrible. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad I wasn't in, in that part of the business. Um, so I did that. And I had the opportunity to move to Greece, which I took up, but I couldn't obviously carry on a full-time job in the UK. So I did what any sensible writer would do and said that I'd go freelance, which meant I then didn't have a job for months and months and months and made sort of next to nothing every now and then for some stupid online job. This was right at the birth of writing online for stuff. I'm and, familiar with the concept. Yeah. And I got a break by writing a blog for a company who sold mobile phones in the UK. This was this was just when 3G was becoming a thing. So mm. smartphones weren't a thing. You could just about get the N95. The Nokia N95 was the phone when I started writing about phones. Okay. And I did that for many years. And I got the reason I got that job was before I was a recruitment agent, I sold the first mobile phones, uh, analog stuff. So I was familiar with the concept and I was vaguely interested. And I was a desperate freelance writer. So I wrote about phones because I could blag the fact that I knew something about it. Right. And I wanted more stuff. And I have a, I don't want to say it was Craigslist, but it was something like that, that I found hmm. an ad to write news for a website on, they were on US time and they wanted something, someone on European time to write news overnight, which was perfect for me. Okay. And that yeah. site was Digital Trends. And huh. I had a video interview with the managing editor and he gave, kind of gave me the job and that was it. I wrote news overnight for DT for quite a few years and then gradually became more part of the more part of the section as the site grew and the section grew and it sort of I became de facto staff writer, even though I was freelance because I'm in the UK. And right. it's gone on from there and I've attended multiple shows and I've been to multiple events all over the world for the company and I've interviewed a ton of different people and now I write every day for DT and nobody else. That is so cool. And, and I mean it's, it's it's really interesting because like a lot of the a lot of this industry if you look back on their origin stories it's usually like, you know, I sold phones in a in a, you know, AT&T store or something like that or um, you know, surprisingly actually we've had a number of people in consecutive months that got started in healthcare and moved over to mobile for some reason that I did not see that coming, no. especially like it was like it was like three times in a row actually. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it's cool. I just I like the idea of just like I want to write something. I don't particularly care what. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to write because you know. Going back to like my origin story, it was kind of like 
it wasn't really this. It was more like I know about phones and I can write. So let's see what happens. You know, um, whereas you were just kind of like the opposite. You're the opposite. I want to write. I don't really care about what. And you just happen to land on phones, which is uh, which is awesome. And it's 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 really interesting to hear that like you you know just responded to a random ad in Craigslist yeah. and, and 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 here you are today. And and I mean for what it's worth. For as long as I've been with the mobile section, you have been basically a staff writer. Yeah, um, even when I was a staff writer, I'm just like, what do you need me for? <laughs> but, um, but no, it was uh, it's it's um, it's really awesome to 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 have worked beside you, and that's that's cool. Now you have a few other interests which I thought were interesting, and if you pay attention to some Andy Boxall photos on Digital Trends, you'll see some Lego in the background. <laughs> every now and then which is fun and uh i just i just uh, curious i brought this up in the news segment for this particular this week's show which actually this show will be dropping on the same day as as the normal uh podcast show so we can reference it it'll be fine but did you see the uh the optimus prime lego uh character coming that transforms it's lego and it transforms yeah so so that's it's funny you should say it. Um, before we did this, I, I had coffee with um, my best friend and he's similarly into Lego. He buys too much of it in the same way that I do. And we both grew up <laughs> with Transformers and still love Transformers to this day. And yeah. the concept of that Generation 1 Optimus Prime in Lego that actually transforms and looks as cool as it does. And it's, it's a day one purchase for me. I can't resist. I'm going to have to have it. I think it's fantastic. It's an insta-buy. Yeah. I it really is. I mean... I hope it's the start of something else. I hope that they're not just going to leave this as one creator model. I hope they're going to sort of expand it in the same way they've done with other licenses. And this is the first in a line of Generation 1 Transformers. Mm, do we see a Megatron in our future, perhaps? I mean, if they're going um, to do know, it, they've or... got to do that. And Bumblebee. Or a Starscream. I would love to see a Starscream one. So now, funny story. Uh, there was actually a Lego exhibit in Chicago, in, our, in actually my local library. Um, this is kind of like a traveling Lego exhibit, and uh, my friend Bender Tube, friend of the show, who has been on Beyond a Doubt, and actually we built Lego on Beyond a Doubt. Um, he um, he came out, and we went to this Lego exhibit for like I don't know, it was like two. It was like it was only two rooms, and we were, we still spent like two and a half hours there. Um, just looking, and they had this like enormous, you know, cityscape set up, and you know, all these different characters and all these different buildings. But one of the things that was there, in fact, you know what? Actually, we could do this. Um, you know what? Let me. I, this was completely unplanned, but because that's what Beyond a Doubt is. <laughs> that's gonna, um, that means it's going to go wrong, surely. One of the exhibitors there had a, and I'm not making this up, a. A, a custom-built Lego device or Lego robot that could transform, and I don't remember what it transformed into. I want to say it was a plane, <laughs> but I shot I shot a video of him transforming it. So I am going to see if I can find that video on the fly here, and let's toss that up on the screen so that we can. Uh, yeah, here's all the Lego stuff. Uh, where is that video? Um, I'm gonna th I'm gonna toss that on this up on the screen so we can cool. watch it transform. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I found it. I found it. Now I have to remember how to share a screen. 
share, share screen, okay. Share screen, and it's gonna be this guy. Yeah, okay, it was a plane that transforms into a robot. Here we go. And I'm gonna not share the audio because it's frankly kind of loud. Uh, <laughs> but you should see that here. And so, so like this is the plane right here. And uh, you know, let me uh, let me rewind it here because you can see like. So he's whole... he's physically so... doing it. It's not automated. Or am I hoping? Right. To... Yeah. He. Yeah. He's. He's. He's doing it. But what I thought was really cool was this is actually a transformer that he designed right. from scratch. So this was not. And actually, this whole this whole table here, you can you can't see the, like a lot of the rest of it. And actually, you can see a picture of the robot transformed right over here. Yeah. Um. So like this whole group is called their Windy City something. I'll put a link in the show notes. But um, they uh, they only they only let people in to their club if you are a Lego designer. If you like wow. design your own Lego, they don't they don't they're not interested in people who build sets. So like that instantly disqualified me. Um, but uh, but yeah, so there disqualifies a whole lot of people. You're really minimizing your audience by saying no. You've got to have designed your own stuff and clearly live in a local area. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that yeah, so it's just, cool. it was just really cool. And like, they've got, you know, they had like this whole table, this, this one, the same dude um, built a, uh, like a hamster invasion habitat. Like it was like war hamsters, basically. Um, but they still had the tubes that like connected the different parts of their compound together. So it was really adorable. I'll have to, uh, in fact, what I'll do is I'll put a, in the show notes, I'll put a link to like a bunch of like the Google photos that I took of that particular day. Like in this particular case, I was shooting B-roll for, uh, for my friend Bender and I'll put a link to his channel in the show notes as well. I don't know if he ever actually made a video about this, but, um, but yeah, so, but yeah, so, I mean, it's just, it's just a whole different level of nerd, it's which is fine. You know, like it's looking at that. Video, it really is the detail and just how much he's having to do. I, it must have taken uh -huh. absolutely ages to design that and then figure out how to actually make it. It's unreal. Uh -huh. Really just so clever. And I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I hope you don't mind. But, no, no, um, really, it takes a while. So. Yeah, it, it it's like a five and a half minute video all told, um, and it was it was interesting. It was it was fun, you know, holding my camera steady for that entire time. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he's got like the thing that wow. that folds down and it reveals the head, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to design a Lego head. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even know how to do that. How would you even do that? Um, but. Uh, but yeah, so, and I realize I'm sharing my whole screen so people can see my level meter going by <laughs> underneath there. So there's a, so. There's, a, there's a TV show in the UK that, um, that follows an auction house that only deals with toys. And a recent okay. episode was a, uh, focused on Lego. And it had some collectors who were selling their Lego collection. And while that's mm. fine, and they were making a lot of money from sealed sets, particularly of Lego Star Wars, um, there sure. was, they also featured two guys who went to the auction to buy Lego. And okay. they, they, they sort of followed these two guys back to where they kept their Lego. They didn't keep it at home. They had 
a warehouse of their own that they kept their oh, Lego in. And I these, don't doubt that. They're just two friends. So what they do is go there, build Lego sets together on an enormous table in this warehouse. And then all around mm. them were shelves filled with random Lego bricks in boxes, all categorized. So they could then go back and wow. build new stuff. It was sort of taking that Lego fandom to a whole new level. And if you're so into Lego, the, uh, it's unreal. The, there's the completed robot there. It's very so, cool. Um, it's just it's just really amazing and um and like it was just yeah it was just it was just, it was funny because um you know we were there and this is we we actually shot this video towards the end of our visit and I'll, I'll be honest I was getting a little tired and uh, so we were talking to him about you know the 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 group that they were in and and this particular thing and I'm like and, and I remember looking and I'm like oh that plane turns on the robot that's cool he's like yeah you want to watch me transform it and I'm just like no oh, no that's okay and my friend and my friend uh, Bender's like yeah we would love to watch you watch, uh, record we would love to watch you change that i'm just like yeah you're right we would absolutely love to <laughs> like i didn't even think about it. i was so like i was so tired i wasn't even thinking about it but he's like yeah that dude really wanted to transform that lego for <laughs> for you i'm like yeah I, I i get that now thank you for picking up on that i did you know idiot. that you're gonna stand there for five minutes and watch it transform <laughs> right right but i mean like you i'm just you know just scrolling through these pictures you can see like how elaborate these setups are and these people like they they trans they transport this stuff yeah all you know to different places like every week and uh you know it takes they they said it takes them like you know usually about six hours to set up six hours to take down and it's just incredible like what they are able to create and again these are all original creations and you know none of there's no there's no sets here mm -hmm. um so yeah really neat anyway so i will uh I will stop sharing my screen, and we can go back to talking about Andy. But uh, so, what's your latest uh, Lego creation? What are you working on over there? So I'm stretching out as long as I can the Technics Lamborghini Cyan. I got it at okay. Christmas, and I'm still only. I'm. I'm. It has two books with it to build it. Mm -hmm. There's three thousand six hundred pieces. I think there's two books. And I'm part way okay. through the second book. And I tend to do like an hour a week. So it's really stretched it out in the last five months. But it's the most intricate kit that I've built from for Lego. And it, it's unreal. It's so much fun, but it it's kind of repetitive because it's symmetrical. So once you've done one part, then you do the other part, the other side. So it, it's, yeah. it's really cool. And it is going to be enormous when it's finished. It's It's sort of... 24 inches long or whatever it's really beautiful a lovely wow. kit lovely kit how about you wow that's pretty cool so um yeah so interestingly enough i'm so after i leave and by the way i i spilled the beans yesterday uh, about leaving digital trends so that's public knowledge now but after i leave digital trends i'm, I'm taking a week off and during that week i'm actually going to be reorganizing my 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 family room slash office space and one thing that i'm going to do is i'm going to put a set of shelves up behind me that i can put like all my lego stuff on so like you won't have to see mr blurry face background anymore because <laughs> um i'm going to be in a nice corner that's all by myself and you know my kids can't you know leave crap like because if i unblur my screen you'll see like a crap load of laundry and stuff behind me so um so that'll be cool um and then i'm, I'm gonna put ecto on there and i'm gonna put uh, baby yoda on there 
and I don't think I'll be able to fit the uh, the space shuttle or the or the 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 space station that I have because those are really really huge. In fact, Ecto is actually really huge. I'm not mm-hmm. even positive I'm going to be able to fit Ecto on there. But um, but yeah, so my next uh, my next project is probably going to be Mr. Optimus Prime, and that'll definitely go on the shelves behind me. But I won't be able to build that because. When is Father's Day? This I, I asked for it for my wife from Father's Day, and it was basically the kind of the same deal as the space shuttle. If you don't buy it for me for Father's Day, I'm just gonna buy it myself anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so uh, whenever Father's Day is, that's that should be rolling in. And actually, oh my god, I didn't even realize this. I'm gonna be in Hawaii on Father's Day. That's gonna be fun. Nice. So you don't buy so, Lego and, Star Wars much? You know, I don't. So like. I'm not I'm not a huge It's it's kind of like sports fandom to me. Like I'm not really a baseball fan, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm not really a hockey fan, I'm a Blackhawks fan. So like I need to have like a rooting interest in order to like hold my attention and when it comes to like like I do have some Lego Star Wars sets. I've got um you know the Baby Yoda obviously. I mean, I think you've probably seen that in a few of the photos that I've put on the site. Um, because I use it as set decoration as yes. far as the IRS is concerned. <laughs> um, but I also have like a couple of little, like they're not minifigs, but they're like the little guys that are about like this tall. I've got a baby Yoda and a Mandalorian. So, but like it's the, the, the sculpture has to kind of speak to me for me to be really interested in it. And like, I've seen a lot of kind of like cool sets, like the DeLorean from back to the future. You would think that would be like a, a slam dunk for me. And I've looked at it and I'm just like, no, nah, I don't really feel it. Like R two D two, I don't really. I'm not. I'm not really feeling that. So like, it has to be a very specific sculpture for me to be really super into it. And like Optimus Prime has that look of a sculpture that I think I could be really, really into. And the space shuttle, you know, obviously, I'm you know I'm a space nerd, so. Um, you know, it, it, but it's not necessarily a slam dunk. Like, there's a smaller space shuttle that you can get. There's actually a smaller Ecto that you can get from like years ago that I wasn't, I, I really wasn't into. But when I saw like this set, I'm just like, okay, I need that. I need that. So, um, yeah, it's it's the it's it just has to speak to me. How about you? Are you? Uh, I, I know you have a the Mandalorian um, spaceship, right? Yeah, the, the uh, Razor I forget the name of it. Razorcrest. Razorcrest, that's it. So are you is so is that like the same thing for you or is it more are you more of a like a sculpture fanatic or more of a genre fanatic like So it was Lego Star Wars. That was basically the thing that I bought and was bought for me. Mm-hmm. And I've got a massive collection that isn't built because I don't have room for it. It's been built and then it's been put away. It's been broken up and ah. put away. And I hadn't bought any for ages because I was just simply running out of room to put them anywhere. So I, I, I sort of stopped for three or four years. So all of my Lego Star Wars is fairly old. Um, mm. And then I bought the Razorcrest because I couldn't resist. It's such a cool looking ship. And that's what it always does. attracts it me. Cool. It's the, the spaceships. I just want those. If it was in the mm. show or in the films, then I kind of want to own them. Um, and if it's the the ultimate editions they're just amazing and although i don't own any it's the dream to have those like the millennium falcon and they do the death star and there's a rebel gunship that looks just amazing but they're all massive i don't mm. have anywhere to put them so <laughs> i tried to concentrate on the small ones but it, it doesn't work so I, I tend not to buy any 
it Star Wars all the way if if I can. The one, the other one that we were looking at today, apart from um, Optimus Prime, is they've got a diorama of the trench run from the uh, from A New Hope. So it has really the inside sort of the cutaway of the trench, and then there's some X-wings and some Tie Fighters, and it's just such a really neat little scene. And I love that huh. kind of thing. That would still yeah. sit on my shelf, not take up masses of room, not make me look too bizarre by having this massive Lego collection. It's that's the kind of thing I like. Really love, really love that. Okay. I, I, actually, I got to say that that trench run is uh, is kind of speaking to me, and I, I hate to t- I hate to tell my wife that because I'm, I think I'm really only allowed to get like two a year, um, <laughs> and I'm really only allowed to do that as long as I actually do get the shelf set up behind my thing because I need a place to put these things. Because right now I'm kind of encroaching on her tchotchke territory, and she's uh, she's not feeling that too well, if you know what I mean. But well, that was uh, we my didn't set up our... it was just shelves and shelves of Lego, and it doesn't look. Like like an adult's house it looks like a child's house it's just so much lego and it's like i can't i can't live like this it's got to just be put away and then one day i'll have a warehouse where i can keep all of my lego ah dare the dream i love it and and actually you know what you could do i'm just i'm gonna throw this out there since you work you know from home you could you know get an office space with you know that you could go to and you could you could work and then you could bring all your set decorations over to work and have them set up on a shelf there so they're ready to go when you need to take a picture next to the you know honor magic four or whatever i'm just i'm just spitballing here um no, and you unfortunately, know what it's it's such a brilliant idea and i would have to have an integral garage where i could keep cars and then I can have shelves upon shelves of Lego and all mm. the cool stuff on the walls. I mean, it's the dream, but I have a funny feeling it probably won't be realized. Well, you never know. Dare to dream, right? That's why Too we right. that's why we have dreams. But uh, so I'm I'm just kind of curious. So you mentioned like, you know, Star Wars Lego is is, is your jam. Does that does that mean that you are um a Le- does that mean that you're a, a diehard Star Wars fan as well? Um, Die Hard suggests that I'm really into it, but I don't think really into it. I watch everything, and I grew up mm-hmm. with Star Wars throughout my life, so it's it's always been a big part of it. I had all the Star Wars toys when I was small. I watched all the films. Um, I'll give you a confession, actually, and this will make me sound like a massive, massive Star Wars nerd. So okay. when Phantom Menace came out... Mm-hmm. It was at a time where release dates in the theatre were still staggered. So the US okay. got Phantom Menace six months before the UK. So as a Star Wars fan, the return of Star Wars seemed like a very good idea to book a flight to go to America and see Phantom Menace on the cinema six months before it came to the UK. So myself and my best friend did exactly that and went wow. to Florida we booked what was probably the most cheapest two or ten day break to Florida we chose. We went to Orlando. Right. Purely with the intention of watching Phantom Menace. And within three hours of getting off the aeroplane, we were in the cinema watching Phantom Menace. (laughs) 
Okay, so that definitely makes you sound like a huge Star Wars nerd. Oh, I, I mean, knew it would. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I was I was expecting you to go like you know I happen to be going to see yes that spring so, or that winter so you know I flew in a day early so I could grab a movie or something like I was expecting that I was not expecting a ten day trip to Florida to uh, <laughs> to so ju- just to watch the Phantom Menace so I was mean, it, it worth the, the wait Men- No, it's the Phantom Menace. Of course, it wasn't worth the wait. It wasn't worth the flight. It, we watched it three times because we'd flown halfway across the world to watch the films. We watched it three times. We were going to damn well get our money and watch the film. But the thing you're still going to get your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, and we weren't disappointed at the time. We were like, well, no, we've watched it. It was, it was really good, wasn't it? Wasn't it really good? Of course, it was really good. So we fooled ourselves into thinking the Phantom Menace was really good. But what, what made that trip? better cinematically was because the matrix was released at the same time so we saw the matrix in the cinema sort of a day after we watched the phantom menace and we saw the matrix twice and that was obviously far superior as as a theatrical experience and as a movie and it was yeah really cool so like no i so i actually as as much as the prequels bother people, I don't mind them nearly as much as other people do. I can look past the Jar Jar Binks and appreciate the lightsaber battles that came with that. And like honestly, the one thing that Star Wars hasn't really capitalized on is the lightsaber the lightsaber battles that are possible. You, you just, just with you know like it was such like the i can't even watch the original uh, the original trilogy anymore because they're just so boring like the the like it's just like oh oh you got me oh my god there's no spinning there's no flipping there's no like and it's like you know you watch you can watch amateurs having like lightsaber battles that are like amazingly mind-blowingly choreographed and then you see like luke and luke and and darth vader like oh i got you oh i got you no i got oh you cut off my hand what the hell i don't even know what i'm doing anymore so it's like the the one thing the one reason i wasn't looking forward to the sequels like the force awakens i thought was actually a really it, it was kind of like a master class in like how to touch on just enough nostalgia but also inject like a whole new story the other two are fairly terrible but anyway um but like the prequels i thought were had a really an amazing opportunity to like really showcase the one thing about star wars that's unique from star trek or other spacefaring shows like anybody can fly around in a ship and shoot each other okay fine you know we can get that with top gun maverick if we want but when you get like into really super intricate sword play and especially you know around the around the ability around the uh, the force and the ability to like you know use force stuff and like do like super flips and actually have it be canon and not just like oh well a director wanted to show off what they can do with wires like i i thought that was an amazing opportunity for star wars to capitalize that and i really hope that the rumors are true that the next star wars movies are actually going to be like super old prequels that happen like even before anything that we know because then you're going to have like jedi everywhere and they're going to be doing flipping and they're going to be doing lightsaber battles and it's going to be cool 
as opposed to just like you know Han flying through a, a asteroid field, which is fine. But I've seen the Enterprise fly through an asteroid field too. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. But you know, when you have like you know force pushing and stuff like that all interspersed within the swordplay, I think that is really the one unique property of Star Wars that nobody else has. Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I do I, agree. And, I'm okay with the pacing of the originals. I, they were a product mm -hmm. of their time. The pacing, if you compared it to other things made in 1977, the pacing is actually pretty brisk. But oh, sure. by today's standard, of course, it's not. I'm a, the intricacy of the model one, modern ones, it's a bit too much. There is a reliance on that technology, a reliance on sort of making things look cool, all the flipping and all of the lightsaber stuff. Mm -hmm. It, it's fine, but I find it ages it in a less comfortable way than the originals. Because if you look at the Phantom, mm. not that I rewatched the Phantom Menace, but if you rewatch those ones, they they don't look all that modern anymore. But you can accept the nostalgia of watching Empire, which still okay. has its own look. But the CGI in Attack of the Clones is not. It's, it's fine, but it's not great. And I, I prefer it to have that physicality of the uh, original trilogy, which doesn't age in quite such a terrible way for me. Hmm. That's fair. That's, that's a very fair, uh, very fair viewpoint. And, uh, you know, you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I totally get, I totally get what you're going with. And there is something to be said for practical effects versus, you know, CGI. Um, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, man, we used to watch like the making of Star Wars so much, like, because, you know, back in the day, the so I don't know about you, but I don't really watch the making of shows anymore because, like, the making of is all, like, people like us sitting at computers, exactly. you know? <laughs> like, exactly. um, you know, so, uh, but when it comes to, like, practical effects, we used to watch the making of Star Wars, like, dozens of times when I was a kid because, yeah. you know, you see all the, like the little models that they built and all the intricate, you know, details. And like, you know, if, if you watch a YouTube channel like Adam Savage, he talks about like some models that he has built for, you know, ILM and, 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 um, and Lucasfilm. And he's actually worked on some, you know, props for, I, I, I was it a prequel? Was it a sequel? I don't remember. But he has actually worked on Star Wars movies, and he actually built, like, physical props for those movies. And, um, you know, when you talk about that kind of, like, model making, that is still pretty cool. But for the most part, that's all taken a back seat to what you can do with a computer because it's faster and cheaper and, in some cases, actually a little bit better. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do, right? Yeah. It's, we have to, we, we have to uh, adapt or die, as they say. I but, bought the DVDs uh, of Star Wars in the box sets for those making of documentaries. I'd seen the films you know, okay. multiple times, but I'd never seen those long documentaries. And I think that mm -hmm. applies to everything. I used to buy horror DVDs for those making ofs. The Exorcist making of documentaries are so good because they show you how those physical effects were done. And today there's, I'm not denying that it's incredibly clever, but it's not quite the same. Like you say, it's cool if you're watching the person in real time making those effects but i don't want to watch mm -hmm. a documentary about it yeah yeah and you know and especially like you know getting back to the prequels like 
the one thing that kind of bugs me is like how Yoda fights with a lightsaber. And I get it. He's two feet tall. How else is he going to fight with a lightsaber? But that whole battle with Count Dooku just felt like a whole, look what we can make Yoda do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. It was just, it just kind of felt like a little bit fake. Like, why would we have to, you know, like, why would he even bother with that? Well, it like, felt like fan and, service. Yeah. It was, let's give the fans what they want. Everyone loves Yoda, and we know that he's Super Jedi, so let's show him doing mm. this. The fans will love it. And that's what it all felt like. You've seen him yeah. whiz around once. You've kind of seen it for the, for the entire, whatever, 10-minute sequence. Right, right. And then, and just the the writing in the prequels was so bad. I'm sorry, George Lucas, but you really should have had somebody else write those things because it was just so bad. Like, I can get past that to watch the, the lightsaber battles. I'm just, I guess I'm just a lightsaber battle nerd, but, uh, you know, I, like flying ships, I can get that anywhere, but lightsabers, uh, to me, are where it's at. Have you ever seen the redone battle between... Uh, there's a YouTuber who made a um, a redone battle between Ben Kenobi and Darth Vader in the original series. I have a funny feeling I might have done, but not recently. This is pretty old. Okay. Right? It, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's several years old. I, I, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, a decade old or anything like right. that. But basically, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like... Ben Kenobi and Darth Vader fighting in the style of the prequels because, you know, basically if Hayden Christensen and Ewan Ewan McGregor had fought like as those characters, this is probably more what it would have looked like. And I just thought it was like really cool. Like, and you know, there's like, there's like little details that you don't even think about with Star Wars where you're like walking, you know, where he's like Darth Vader walks into his quarters and just as he's walking, his lightsaber just jumps from a table and attaches itself to his belt. Like, oh, yeah, they can do that. I totally forgot they can do that. But but yeah, so it's just uh, it's really cool. Um, it's a really cool um remake and i'll i'll drop a link to that in the show notes as well because i think people should watch that so um all right well i'll tell you what um this has been a fun conversation and that's really what a beyond a doubt is supposed to be it's supposed to be just a conversation and let's see where uh let's see where things take us and yeah. i did not expect to be ta- critiquing the star wars prequels when uh when no. you and i decided to I to was hop totally on the expecting air but phones i was expecting smartphones i was expecting yeah smartwatches but well you know not even but then we do it a week uh, this is what we do right during the week we don't <laughs> yeah. talk about star wars we talk about the phones well, and, and the podcast. I mean, you know, that's what the podcast does. It, it talks about... I didn't want the podcast to be a phone podcast, but I am who I am. Um, <laughs> and that's just kind of the way it... That's just kind of the way it shook out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's... You know, come, you come for the podcast, stay for the Star Wars. That's fine. So, um, I, I already... As I told you off off the air, I, I'm ending every Beyond a Doubt uh, segment with a series of questions, sort of a lightning round, and you did opt to take the questions beforehand. So I hope you have your answers prepared because we're about to... <laughs> you're like, I don't, but all right. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's been a weird couple of days, man. I'm just saying. Uh <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I've got these uh, I've got these questions cool. and we're just going to run through them and then we can uh, 
tie a nice little bow on the end of it. So, cool, cool. Um, okay, so the first question is, are you a roamer, or do you have one set location for work where you set up all your Legos? So, <laughs> so sadly, um, I'm now pretty much a one location person. I work at home. But mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, I was very much, I don't have a set place to work. I work everywhere. Um, and I really miss that. I've been away for the last oh, yeah? couple of days, and it was fantastic to work in the car and I I had to get a ferry to where I was going and I worked on the ferry and I worked in the hotel and although it sounds ridiculous to say it was brilliant it was brilliant I loved that yeah variation and I mean I'm just so thankful for that I have the tech to be able to do it I have my iPad I have my phone and it connects together and I work just as I would when I was sitting at home so the short answer is I unfortunately work at home but I wish I was 10 different places in the same day working. Okay. All right. No, that's legit. Like for me, I prefer kind of having one set location just because that's, but every now and then I got to get up and I got to go somewhere. Like I got to, like either I have to go like sit at my kitchen table or I've got like a little desk thing that I have set up in our sunroom. If it's a particularly nice day or if my kids are driving me nuts, I can go sit out there. But, but I also like the, uh, the ability and the opportunity to, if I need to, I can, you know, go drive my daughter to, I don't know, a, a meetup with friends and I can sit in the car and, you know, bang away on the keyboard if I have to. So I, I really dig that. But, um, okay, so what is the last song or artist that you listened to while you were working? So this was difficult because I, when I'm working, I listen to a radio station that plays classical music. I find classical music to be um, really good creative fuel. So I love to have something on. I don't like complete silence, but I don't like to listen to things with lyrics because I tend to concentrate on what's being sung instead of Mm. writing what I'm going to. So I don't listen to that. I listen to mostly solely classical music when I write. So I couldn't tell you exactly what the last thing I heard it was one of X amount of things that play on the radio right. all day, every day. Genre totally works too. So, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, yeah, I, I've tried the classical thing before and for, I just find that I can't focus on it. So honestly, I'm more of like a Rob Zombie kind of guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> But any other time I don't listen to classical music. Or very rarely, right. I, I go I, back in the when it was possible to go to concerts regularly. I would, but it's not something that I love. It makes it sound as if I'm a classical music guy when I'm really not. But I appreciate no, it. No, it's just when background I'm noise. Yeah, that would be to do it a disservice. I mean, it's a lot of it's absolutely beautiful and, and incredibly intricate, and I love that. Mm. And I think that is the creativity that I get from listening when I'm working. Um, myself and I, I appreciate the music just as much when I listen. There was a tweet by somebody who caused quite some controversy by saying you shouldn't listen to classical music when doing something else. Classical music is supposed to be enjoyed and sat down and you concentrate on that and I thought it was an yeah. incredibly bizarre thing to say. I, I think that it's you should be able to listen and enjoy music in all kinds of different situations that's what it's for. for sure. But, um, right, no, totally. I see where they're coming from, but I can also see like why that sounds a little bit 
prudish. It's snobbish. It's insane. I mean, <laughs> yeah, come it's, on. it is snobby. Who's got time yeah. to sit down and listen to a four-hour production of, of a piece of classical music? I, I simply don't. So if I can enjoy it while I'm working, all the better. Yeah, definitely. What's one word that a PR person can put into an email subject that gets an insta-delete? This was easy. Blockchain. Okay. All right. Please See, for me, it's that. AJ. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, so yeah, no, that's that is a very easy one. It's just like, eh. have you heard about like all the um, like cryptocurrencies like all tanking recently? It's been uh, been quite the roller coaster. It has. Um, what's one thing that you wish all PR people knew about you or your content? So this one was the hardest question on that list. And I, I'm, I still don't think I've got a decent answer for it. I, That's okay, I, nobody does. I think that it, <laughs> I think it, it, when I try to think about it, it's the most basic aspect. I write about phones for consumers and I write about right. mobile tech for consumers. I don't write about them for business. I don't need to know series A round of this or this investor has come on board for this. I don't, I don't write about that. So filling my inbox with investment news or business news, I'm afraid it's it's not relevant to me and you're going to get ignored and deleted. So I think that's probably the right. thing that I write for consumers, not for businesses. Seems boring, but that's really the only thing. If someone emails me about yeah, stuff that's that's for consumers, I'll read it. And if it's interesting, I'll respond. But outside of that, mm -hmm. no. not so much. That's 100% legit. That's a, that's a good answer. So you see, you did have a good I answer. <laughs> Ah, uh, so how long do you take to write a proper review? And that's from the time you open the box to the time you push the publish button, or in, in this case, save draft and switch the Asana card over to so I, th <laughs> I think on average, it's about two weeks. I feel like two okay. weeks is, but it depends on the product. If, it, if we're talking about, say, the Galaxy S22 Ultra, that's a two week review thing for me in an ideal world. From the minute you open it, mm -hmm. you use it for a week so it gets used to you and you use it for a second week to properly assess battery life and properly assess performance and use the camera in a wide variety of different situations. But if it's yeah. a basic device, you don't need to spend that long. There's not that much to understand about it. But two weeks would be ideal world for a proper top level flagship device. Yeah, that's that's a pretty standard answer. So uh, that's good. Um, has there ever been a product that you have received and tested that ultimately was so bad you decided not to review it? And without naming names, if possible, what was it? So yes, there has been. I won't name names, but unfortunately, when I describe it, there's not many others out there. So it probably, if someone <laughs> if someone wanted to find out what it was, they could. Um. I put a lot of effort into this whole situation. It is, I believe it still exists, a camera strap for the Apple Watch. And it okay. puts a camera basically onto the top of the band that then you can use as a forward-facing camera. And really? it's hideous, absolutely hideous, because it adds a good <laughs> half an inch to the top of the strap so automatically your watch becomes bulkier and uglier yeah it's heavier because it's a camera on the strap of a watch and then it used proprietary 
software and messaging systems that of course the other person would have to use to fully realize the messaging and video Ew. call actions. So automatically you've got a product that no one's going to want to buy. And then if you yeah. do buy it, no one else is going to have it for you to use it, you know, in the way for which it is intended. So that That's was amazing. It was really quite bad. And I, I interviewed the people who who did the, the sort of project and they were incredibly enthusiastic. Um, but it was bad. Well, they have to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, it like, they were going for a whole Dick, Dick Tracy vibe where you're, like, holding up the watch and you're talking to your friend and your friend is talking back to you. Is that kind of... Uh, Pretty I much. mean, okay. Video calls from your wrist. Her and to be fair, the ideas that they had and the tech that they put into it was very good. It was competent, mm -hmm. but nobody was going to do it. No one was going to pay $300 for a camera strap on their, on their Apple Watch. It was never yeah. going to happen it certainly wasn't going to happen in the numbers needed to make it worthwhile so you know the i appreciate the effort put into the technology but it was yeah <laughs> it was not good i think we're going to file that one under your heart was in the right place <laughs> but yes. yeah um okay so do you prefer producing and i think we've already answered this but do you prefer producing written content audio content or video content and if so why now you actually do have a youtube channel and make, make sure to pimp that at the end of this uh at the end of this video so uh, my dozens and dozens of watchers can learn about it but Super. uh but yeah so which do you prefer um i'm better at written um so okay. i guess that would be my preferred but i love doing video um, okay. I enjoy it a lot and I love the spontaneity. But when I was a struggling freelance writer, I did a lot of um, TV adverts and I did um, a lot of educational video content for teaching mm -hmm. English as a foreign language. So I sort of cut my teeth in video production through that. And I did a lot of oh, acting cool. through that. And I, I, that made me fall in love with video. I don't get the chance to do video much anymore because we don't really go to events. So I missed yeah. it. And that's why I started doing a YouTube video. It, it feeds my love of watches and it feeds my need to do video content when I can. So I kind of you want just, everything. You just said the word acting and I feel like we've missed a whole segment of this, uh, of this podcast that we could have gone into, but yeah, all right, thing. maybe we'll have to wait that. We'll maybe we'll have to wait for your second appearance <laughs> then on, beyond a doubt so um okay influencers here to stay or a bubble waiting to burst here to here to stay but i think they're just going to change a little bit i think it's just going to be a, okay a different thing but definitely here to stay maybe the name okay. isn't here to stay but they are so who's the first reviewer that you read slash listen to slash watch slash go to when reviews drop? So like a brand new phone, I mean, obviously yours. Um, so, but you know, a brand new whatever drops, who's the first, or what's the first YouTube channel you're going to, or what's the first website you're going to? So I didn't, I don't think I have specific ones. Obviously I, I don't read any until I've minds up. I don't, read okay. anything or look at anything until my review is done so unless we're unless i'm behind the curve i wouldn't watch anyway but i have three right. youtube channels that i enjoy watching their tech content um super saf the tech chap okay. and mr okay. mobile michael fisher very good those three are the ones very that i will always watch their content 
the 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 latter is a very popular answer on this particular I'm question. Sure so. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but, for good reason. For good reason. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh you know what? You, you know what's gonna be really interesting? To find out what he says when he's on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I'm coming for you, Fisher. Anyway. Um so final question. If you weren't working in this field, what would you be doing for a living? I struggled with this. I, I'd want to still be writing about stuff. I think I'd just writing okay. be writing about something different. I don't think I'd be writing okay. about tech. I'd be writing something different. Um, it could be. I don't think I'd necessarily want to do reviews. Maybe I'd want to write screenplays. Maybe I'd want to write scripts. I, while I was a struggling freelance writer, I wrote murder mystery role playing games for a company. And maybe I'd like to go oh, back fine. and do that. And just still being creative, still writing. That's why I'd still want to do it. Just not necessarily about tech. That's legit. I can totally dig that. So, and, and also going back to the beginning of this interview, not surprising. So, <laughs> um, so great. Uh, well, that's, that was the last question. So now is the time when we go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you so that you can tell everybody where they can find you on the internets and, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can pimp your stuff. So the floor is yours, sir. Cool. Thank you very much. Well, the main place that you will find me is my writing is at Digital Trends. So you'll always find my latest work there. If you're more interested in alternative conversations, then you can find me on Twitter at Andy Boxall, uh, where I'll write about tech, about cars, about watches, about um, Japanese pop and K-pop and all sorts of other things like that. You can find me on Instagram at Andy Boxall as well. And you can watch my um, small YouTube channel, which is Unboxall TV. And on there, I uh, do videos about watches. And that's me on the internet. That's awesome. Sorry about the uh, the giggle. I was just flashing back to our uh, huddle conversation the other day about K-pop. <laughs> so, I did not realize you were such a K-pop aficionado before we I had that. I would not uh, call me an aficionado, we... but yes, I, I have a... Well, yeah, you're more of an aficionado than I am. And, <laughs> and in reference to your small YouTube channel, I'm fairly sure you're bigger than mine. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> so welcome to it. And uh, great. So thank you for taking the time on a Saturday, well, for you, evening, uh, for coming on and chatting with me about all things Andy Boxall. No, and uh, for those of you who tuned in live, I very much appreciate you checking out uh, what, what's going on in the world of Andy. And for those of you listening to the high quality version later thank you very much for listening and to all of you i would like to thank you and for giving us the benefit of the doubt <laughs>